morning. I believe somebody's life needs to be shifted and changed. I believe there's something that's sweeping through this room. We have a choice to either follow tradition or we can step out in faith right now. I feel what God gave me this morning. I'll, I'll pluck half of what I've, I feel to say, or what I've prepared to say, because I, I feel there's something in this room and they'll just play behind me for a little bit, but just for a few minutes, I feel to go into what God gave me. You can make your way back to the seats and you can just keep playing behind me just for a little bit. I want to talk to us because I feel like, listen, you're in this room and, and maybe for these last few minutes you felt there's been a shift and you're on that brink. But I believe Wednesday night, if you weren't here, then I invite you to listen to uh, our YouTube channel and hear what Pastor John spoke. He talked about delighting in darkness. And he talked about there are some things that are birthed in the middle of the night that are in dark places. And we're to delight in it because the verse he used came from Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 3. It said, I will give thee treasures of darkness in hidden riches of secret places. Thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by name, am the God of Israel. There are treasures in darkness. And as I sat through the week trying to prepare and think like, Lord, what is it that you would have me say? A Thursday morning, as I kept studying and reading, it hit me. That while there are treasures in darkness, there is a shifting that happens from dark into light. In other words, from season to season. And as I prayed and I thought about it, it hit me that it won't always be dark. Morning will come. It won't always be dark, but morning will come. If I had to give you a thought, it would be delighting in light. You can delight in dark. That's hard sometimes. I'm reminded of a story with King David. If you go back to 1 Samuel, it's, I believe it's in chapter 16 or 17, it starts to, the journey of David. And here we find that David, anointed as a young boy to be king, but yet there still was the king of Israel, Saul. Saul was told one thing, when you fight the Amalekites, take everything out, annihilate everything. Saul disobeyed God. And Saul, Saul's men kept the cattle and the sheep. And Saul saved King Agag. And the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, Hey, my servant, my servant Saul hasn't followed everything. He's disobeyed me. So here Samuel visits Saul. And he can hear the bleeding of the sheep and cattle. And said, Why did you disobey God? And David, well, Saul said, Well, my men kept the best from this battle. And I kept King Agag because we're going to sacrifice to the Lord. And this is where the concept that to obey is better than sacrifice. Don't, don't dismiss what the Lord asks out of you, thinking that you can outdo him or give something back to him when he asks you to leave it all out there. Don't do what Saul did because it was in that moment that Saul's kingdom was pulled from him. And it said that the spirit of the Lord left Saul and that he gave him an evil spirit. That evil spirit would end up tormenting Saul. And so the men of Saul that were around him said, hey, why don't we get somebody to play some music to settle you down? And enters David into the kingdom. And so David begins to play and build this relationship with Saul. And what ended up happening is the Philistines come in battle with the Israelites and David goes out and he kills Goliath. And all of a sudden, Saul wants to know who David and his family is and finds out who they are. And now for seven years, David would live in the palace with Saul. 
But you see, David became uh, a mighty man of valor and Saul actually ranked him high in the military and gave him some men. And from there, David would beat all of his enemies. And so Saul became jealous because the people would sing the praises of David. And so Saul attempts to kill David and David goes into hiding. And we find out that David is now in a, a cave called Adullam. He's hiding there. And so we learned Wednesday how to delight in darkness. Pastor John spoke about a seed you have to unearth and plant seed in darkness and then you'll cover it up and that seed will begin to grow in darkness. And we talked about the womb of a mom when, when, when seed is deposited and there's a baby that starts to grow and all of a sudden now you have a baby that is birthed within you. But for 40 weeks that baby would be encapsulated in darkness before it came into light. And about Jesus who was in the tomb for three days in the dark before he came to light. And now we see what Acts 1 says, Acts 1, it says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It, it, we now have this, this relationship with him because he rose from the dead that now all of a sudden you can have his spirit. I will send you my comforter. I know in this room there are people facing the darkest night of your life. I know some of you have been battling some things. And I just remember hearing Pastor John and thinking that, yes, I can delight in darkness, but you can't always stay in darkness. That baby will come out. That seed will come into fruition. You see, seed will germinate in the dark. That seed that you plant will actually break the shell in the dark. But it has to take light for it to grow out of the soil. And so oftentimes when we are in our dark season, here you find David in a dark cave. Adulam, he's there by himself. At one point, he had thousands of men underneath him. Now he finds himself alone in a cave. Why? He was afraid for his life. He was fearful. But then scripture tells us that once David's family heard what was happening, his family and some of his friends and those that have heard of David, 400 of them ran into that cave. And all of a sudden now, David is influencing 400 people from the cave. The difference from dark into light, season to season, is transformation. Oftentimes, God is wanting to bring us into the next season, but we are so afraid that we settle back in and we'll hide in the cave. Oftentimes, what God has given you to be birthed in the cave needs to come to light. But we are so afraid. Why do we hide behind a cave? Because if we stay in the dark, nobody will see and expose us in the light. And so oftentimes, the very thing that we are battling and fighting can keep us captive in a cave in a dark season. And what could have been delighting in darkness, something that is getting to be birthed in darkness, all of a sudden now is the very thing that holds you into that captivity, that holds you back into that cave. What was meant to be a propelling ground, something that pushes you into the next season, has now held you captive in the season that you are in. I think it is obvious as we were praying here and God's dealing with some of us in this room about you've been in a dark season for some time now, but I'm trying to bring you to the next season. We can miss that next season if we are so timid and afraid that we, we just retract and we hold back into a dark cave. See, in order for us to transition from season to season, it takes a renewing of the minds. Change is external, but transformation is internal. Oftentimes, something happened to us that has shifted our priorities, shifted the lens we live life with. And all of a sudden now, in a dark cave, something happens that has put us in that cave that is in this dark season. 
and we have a choice where something is being birthed and planted what are we going to do if we live to the to the events that put us in that situation change maybe you received bad news from the doctor maybe your employer said we don't need you anymore maybe your children have walked away from god Maybe your spouse is no longer in the same seat as you and you are at odds. Maybe there's something going on in your family financially. An event has occurred and has caused change in your life. But the only way to leave that state is through transformation. The Bible calls it the renewing of the mind. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will abide to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for you. It's going to take a changed mind this morning. It's going to take us to transfer our, our situation from where we are to where we are trying to go. A completely different lens, per se. But you have been in this room, and you have felt the presence of God, and you are on the brink of maybe making a shift or change in your life but all of a sudden we go back to the cave why because I can hide in the cave to delight in darkness is to hope for light see we have several women that are pregnant in this room several at our 915 service if you were to tell these pregnant women that, that, that baby would grow full term at 40 weeks and always stay in the dark, always stay in their womb. Probably none of them would ever want to wish pregnancy on anybody. If you knew the seed that you would plant would never come to fruition, it would always stay under the soil, you would probably never plant a garden. But the hope that you can get in delighting in darkness of planting is that you will reap what you sow. That baby will come to light. You can't control what happens in the womb. You can't control how quickly that baby grows. You can't control some of that. But you can control when it comes out into the light. You can't control once it is out and it has been birthed and now you have a hand in that. See, weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. And sometimes it's the tears that you cry at night are the very tears that will water the seed that was planted that will begin to grow when joy comes in the morning. The very tears that you have birthed through the night when nobody else can see what you're going through. Nobody else has a clue what you have to go through. Those very tears that you have cried can be the very tears that will begin to grow that seed. Are we going to cry tears of bitterness or tears of joy? What you sow, you will reap. If you sow in bitterness, you're going to reap in bitterness. If you will sow in joy, you will reap in joy. If you will sow in hope, you will reap in hope. There's somebody here this morning that needs some hope. But it's going to take a transformation of the minds. You see, when you look at how the natural birthing process is, a baby comes through the womb head first. And I believe that is a picture to show us so are the issues of life if a baby is to come headfirst into the world into life the issues that we are facing we ought to use head first into our issues not emotional but using what God has given us the mind is such a powerful tool it's going to take a transformation of the mind for us to leave where we were and go to where God is calling us to go and some of you in this room have 
the opportunity to make the choice right now. Am I going to stay in the cave or am I going to come out of that cave? But you have to understand something. David was in the cave and he had to learn a few things in that cave. This was before David was ever to be king. Watch 1 Samuel chapter 22 verses 1 through 4. David left Gath and escapes to a cave, Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt, disconcerned, gathered around him. And he became their commander and 400 men were with him. Watch this. From there, David went to Mespah in Moab and said to, king Mo and said to the king of Moab, Would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn? Everybody say learn. Until I learn what God will do for me. So he let him let them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. In other words, David went back to the cave. He said, there are some things I have got to learn. Watch my family for me. I said, what did David learn while he was there? See, oftentimes we think, if my, if my situation, if, 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 I, if I could change my situation, then I could come with the renewed minds. But you have to renew, renew your mind before you can change your situation. It's your perspective. And David had a choice. Do I stay in, the, in this cave? What am I going to do here? I am afraid. It's okay to be afraid sometimes. But you can't stay in fear. It's okay for you to not understand everything, but you can't just stay there. But if you read what, I've, what, what we read earlier, it said that David was such a mighty man of valor that Saul gave him an army. And there, David would conquer. But now you find yourself in a cave with no one. And all of a sudden now, people are gathering to him. It was in that cave that David learned the difference between managing and leading. David would manage an army and become victorious. But it was in the cave that David would learn I'm a leader. He gathered through influence and it would take that principle for him to lead his kingship years down the road. What am I saying? I'm saying there are things that you're going to learn in the cave that you're going to need for the next level. There are things that you're going to learn in the cave that you're going to need when you get out of that cave. And if you miss it in the cave, then you're going you're gonna to repeat the process. You will keep repeating the battle. Maybe you're frustrated this morning because it feels like it's the same cycle. It's the same thing with the kids. It's the same thing with my addiction. It's the same thing in my marriage. We keep going again and again and again. Why? Because there's something we didn't learn in the cave. There's something we didn't grasp inside that cave. But in order for us to delight in the light, there has to be a shifting of our perspective. Weeping will endure for the night, but I promise you, it's not always going to be that dark season for you. We prioritize, though, our emotions over our mindset. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We can't lead with our emotion. David could have led with emotion out of that cave. David could have said, hey, you know, I am fearful. Remember Elijah, this man that we look at as a prayer warrior here's a man that uh, he had prayed a boy 
who had passed on prayed him back to life this is a man that was able to pray for rain in a place that was in drought for seven years he has literally watched the hand of God created to a uh, form into a cloud and, and cause rain and he had watched all of the prophets of Baal 450 of them pass away he watched and witnessed all of that but the minute he felt he was in trouble from Jezebel when she put a bounty on his head what did he do it said he ran to a tree knelt down and what was his prayer Lord I am asking you to take care of Jezebel for me I am asking you to remove the enemy out of my sight that is not what he prayed he said I'm tired take me now Lord a prayer of suicide this is a man that we know has watched the hand of God as he was a prophet and prayers were answered how could this man pray a prayer of suicide because he led with emotion and not his intellect he could have pulled from the from the uh, the just from the tank he had of all of the miracles God had done through him and answered all of his all of his prayers, but yet why? Here he was listening to his heart instead of his mind. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praise of Him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light he is calling somebody in this room out of their cave out of darkness you have planted and you have sown now it's time to transition out of where you are it's time for us to transition out but what keeps us from transitioning out we get stuck where we are we're stuck where we are it's like that it's like that that kid in high school that Never, he peaked in high school and all of a sudden now he's still wearing his letterman jacket and he can't get away from why why can't he get out of that that season of life because as he tried to adult something happened to him and he decided to go back to what was comfortable sometimes your identity becomes the cave that you were dwelling in sometimes your identity becomes the very thing that you kept struggling with but you came here this morning and you felt the presence of god and you need an answer from God and he's trying to tell you shift your perspective change your lens renew your mind but what prevents us from renewing the mind I get the victim mentality as if I'm the only one that's dealing with something in the room as if I'm the only one that is suffering right now but Romans chapter 8 and 18 says for I consider that the sufferings of this present time he is admitting there is suffering in this present time although they are not worthy to be compared with the glory that we'll receive but what did he do he there is suffering in this present time it's okay to say that you're hurting it's okay to say that you're suffering right now it's okay but you have to identify that you are suffering but watch first peter in chapter 2 verse 21 for even here unto were you called before christ also suffered for us leaving us an example christ suffered we want the resurrection of his power, but we don't want to identify with his suffering. We think we're above the Lord, where, where we can't suffer, but yet look at him, the ultimate example to us. And he suffered. He paid, he was murdered. He didn't pay for a penalty of sin. He didn't make a mistake. He was murdered on a cross. You talk about someone saying that you had done something and you had nothing to do with it. That's our Lord. You talk about somebody that was spit on and yelled at and hated, that loved everybody, that's him. And we want to take our cares to him like, Lord, I, I, I'm upset because this person's mad at me. I don't have the right relationship and I want a relationship with them and they don't, they don't favor me. 
And yet Jesus murdered on a cross the ultimate, the ultimate sacrifice. He suffered. But we'll have a victim mentality. It'll cause you to go back into the cave, take your seed with you and put it back in the ground. Why? Because that's the most comfortable you've ever been. Sometimes we use what's happened to us in the past as an excuse to continue on the same behaviors. Well, I, I, I was treated this way when I was young. This happened to me when I was young. This doesn't give you the excuse to not grow from it. You can't just keep going back into the cave and never changing, expecting something to happen different until we begin to shift our perspective. We begin to change our mindset and grow in Christ. We begin to compare ourselves to others. Well, my marriage doesn't look like theirs. They have more money than I do. They don't understand me. I, I feel very disconnected because I'm not in the same place. I, I thought I'd be here by this age, but yet I'm not there yet. And, and things keep happening to me and I just keep getting reset. I, I don't know what's wrong. Why do I keep having to go back and relearn these lessons? There's something in the cave that we haven't learned yet. And the Lord is calling us out of darkness into his marvelous light saying, listen, I have given you the tools. I, I have given you a safe place to run into. I'm going to need you. We heard it this morning. The time is coming. He's almost here. I can't promise you what next year looks like. I can't promise you what this Christmas is going to look like. Tomorrow is not promised to anybody in this room or those of you that are online watching with us. It's not promised to any of us. We can't afford to stay in the cave another night. We can't afford to not learn what God has put for us in the cave for this season. This city can't afford for you to stay in the same place with the same behaviors, chase after the same things. Can't afford it. It's going to take commitment to renewing our minds. Paul said, I press toward the mark. To press is to literally fight and claw your way through something. To fight your way. He did promise an abundant life, but he never said it would one that would be free of suffering. How entitled do we look to Christ when we get so mad at him that life has taken a toll on us? We get so frustrated with him and we pray about it. And half the time we inflict it on ourselves because of poor decisions. I was talking to somebody last week and I was making a comment that we'll pray about our health and, and we'll want God to intervene in our health. And yet I have the worst diet, if we're being honest. Who am I to go to him and say, fix this, when he said, I didn't tell you to eat that. Hey, fix my marriage, when I didn't tell you to talk to your spouse that way. Hey, fix my finances, when I didn't tell you to spend your money that way. We watch it all the time in sports culture. Why is it that someone can get a $50 million contract and be bankrupt three years later? If you couldn't discipline your money when you had $50,000, you are not going to do it at $50 million. You just spend more. So God is saying, you're asking these things from me. But yet I can't give them to you because I can't trust you. Because you refuse to leave the cave learning what I'm trying to give you. The things that you have planted, you kill before it even hits the air, before the light even sees it. Because why? It's a victim mentality. I'm looking at everybody else and seeing where they are. I don't commit because Paul said, I die daily. This is our daily bread. This is something that you have to do every day. If you're here and you're just visiting on a Sunday, and you're waiting till next Sunday for another word from the Lord, you missed it. I can't promise you'll be here next Sunday. I'll be here next Sunday. It has to be a daily walk. I die daily. Amen. 
set your affections on things above, not on the things of the earth. It has to be something. I did a study when I was reading into uh, or digging into uh, anxiety. A couple years ago, I, I fought anxiety. I've never dealt with anxiety before. I didn't know what it's like to not sleep at night. I had no idea how to deal. I've heard about it. I've prayed with people that, that dealt with it. But for the first time, I understood. I left sympathy and I opened the door to empathy. And I now all of a sudden knew what it looked like to not sleep at night. I knew what it was like to think you're having a heart attack and nobody knows it and you'll die in the middle of the night and nobody knows. I know what that feels like. So I began to study how the amygdala works and, and how when you experience certain things, those images and that emotion get stored. And then all of a sudden, when you felt like, hey, I'm too close to the street, I better back up because I don't want to get hit by a vehicle, that fear was healthy because it kept me from doing something that was wrong. But when I start saying, hey, listen, you know what? I'm going to stay on the sidewalk now because I'm afraid that vehicle will hop the curb and hit me. All of a sudden now that emotion is starting to control me. And then all of a sudden I'm at the door saying, well, listen, that car could actually jump the curb and over the sidewalk through my lawn to the door. I'm, I'm going to stay here. Then all of a sudden I, I, I let that emotion get the best of me and I'm inside the house now. And I say, hey, you know what? If I'm inside the house, maybe the car won't jump the curb and hit the sidewalk and over the lawn and through the door and hit me. All of a sudden my emotion is what's crippling me not my mind not the thoughts of God not the promises of God it's my mind I want us to stand I, I, I didn't think this would be long because of what I feel in this room I know there are some of you in this room that you need God to intervene right now there are some of you in this room that you have been in the cave way too long and the Lord is asking for a change of perspective, something to shift in your mindset. That's how I can dwell in lightness because I have to change my mind. I have to look at it through a different lens. Let me tell you something, you can change your friends, you can move and change your address, you can change what you wear, you can change the church you go to, you can change the music you listen to. You can change what you're purchasing. You can change what you're listening to. You can change what you're looking at. You can change all of that. But if you do not change your mind, you will go back to those places. If you do not change your mindset, you will revert back to what was comfortable. You will go back to the cave, to the dark place. And instead of delighting in darkness, now you are living in darkness. And instead of ever making it to what God wants you, instead of living in the light, now we're stuck in that transition. Just like that high school boy has his letterman jacket on. Just like that boy. Why? It's because something happened that put him back in the cave. That all of a sudden now, had David not learned in Adula, if he had not learned how to lead it's the difference between obedience and submission obedience is through a, a it's it's positional i'm obeying it's positional if you have a boss he can fire you if you have a boss he can write you up if you have a boss he can give you a raise we are obedient because of position but submission is through relationship I don't have a relationship, so now I am following, I am learning, I am gleaning everything I can. David learned how to lead in that cave, which helped him lead a whole, all of Israel because of what he learned in the cave. God has given you something in the dark right now 
that's going to help you in the new season that you're, that's coming to you. But it's going to shift. It's got to shift the mentality that we have. Now I want us to come up and we're going to sing what we just sang that he, you go before me. I was here that Monday night when that song was birthed and we began to sing that. God, you go before me. You write the story. He is writing your story. But where are you leading his pen? He is writing the story. But where are you allowing him to stop the chapter and start the next chapter? Some of us have been in the same chapter over and over and over again because we are refusing to let go what was in that cave in the darkness. And so the Lord is saying, listen, you need to change your perspective. You need to change your mindset. You need to not be the victim anymore. You need to stop. It was the story that had a dad that was an alcoholic and asked the alcoholic son, hey, why are you an alcoholic? Because my dad was alcoholic. Asked the other boy, hey, how come you're not an alcoholic? Because my dad was an alcoholic. It's the same set of circumstances, different perspective. And so you're in this room and you feel like you've been fighting the same thing over again. I don't know if it's your marriage, your finances, relationships, health, but God is saying, listen, it might look bad right now in the dark. It might not look very good right now in the dark, but I promise you, if you will just learn and you will change your eyes and say, listen, I can't control everything. You couldn't control the baby in the womb, but you can control when that baby is birthed. I can't control when that seed is unearthed and buried. I, I can't, but as soon as that shell breaks in and it starts to sprout all of a sudden now, am I going to kill what God started by going back and burying it again because it's safe, it's hidden, it's concealed? Nobody knows what I'm going through or how I think about this. Or are we going to let that sprout up and say, all right, God, I'm coming out of that cave. I'm changing my, my perspective. I can't keep revisiting the same things over and over again. If you're in this room and maybe it's your first time here, how do you change your perspective? How is it that you can change who you really are? Ephesians chapter 4 and 22 says that you put off concerning the former conversations, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness you have to put away the old man you have to put him away and you have to put on the new man how do we put on the new man you have to repent God I don't want to be that old guy anymore I want to be brand new in you what shall we do to be saved repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and you shall receive the Holy Ghost so if this is your first time here or you have never been baptized in the name of Jesus, that's how you can start the new creation. That's how you can leave that stuff in the past and leave that cave once and for all. But maybe you've been coming here for years, for months, and you've been fighting the same battle. You know what the Lord's trying to tell you? If you've repented of your sins, you've been baptized in the name of Jesus, you have Acts 1-8, the power of the Holy Ghost, then it's time to shift your perspective. It's time to shift your mindset to delight in light. It's time for us to leave those things behind and say, all right, God, I've had enough. No longer will I be the victim of my past anymore. No longer will I compare myself to everybody else. But no, God, how can I compare myself to you? If the Lord had 12 and one betrayed him, who are we when we are betrayed? If the Lord was abandoned at 12 by his parents, they forgot him. Who are we to think we've been left behind and felt betrayed? 
God, I'm asking you right now. Something started just 20 minutes ago in this room where somebody was trying to break out. They've had enough in their dark season of bad news after bad news after bad news. I can't control that stuff, God, but I can't control my mindset. And so, Lord, I'm asking in this room right now that you would forgive any sin that's in here. Because what we're about to experience right now, God, it has to be sin-free. Sin and you can't abide together, but you can, you can wipe that away. And so, Lord, for everything we have spoken that we should have, the words we use, we have no business using. I'm asking that you forgive us right now, God. If there are things that we watch that we shouldn't have, forgive us. Things we've listened to that we shouldn't have, forgive us. Thoughts we had that were ill towards someone, towards ourselves, towards you, forgive us, God. Whatever sin is not even mentioned, God, you know exactly what's sitting in this room. I'm asking that your spirit of forgiveness would sweep over every single person right now. And those that are online hearing, that are feeling your tug right now, that maybe they're home because they're afraid to leave their house. Maybe they're home right now because they don't know if they can belong somewhere once again. That, Lord, you would reach them in their living room or in their vehicle, God. Wherever.